0: Okay, hello and welcome to Yellowstoners, a new weekly podcast from the Playlist Podcast Network, hosted by myself, Mike D'Angelo, and the Playlist's editor in chief, Rodrigo Perez. And as the title suggests, we're going to cover television's rowdiest, rootin' tootin' premiere soap opera, Yellowstone, which made its season four premiere on the Paramount Network this past Sunday. We'll do a bit of a longer deep dive today on the series as a whole and then jump in week to week as season four airs, covering all the ins and outs of. Uh, one of the best shows on TV. Rodrigo, are you ready to talk about America's favorite show?
1: Yeah, right. I mean, <laughs> uh, a, a bit of a late discovery for me, but obviously, uh, apparently the highest rated show on, on television and cable uh, and surpassing uh, The Walking Dead in 2020.
0: Even 2018, I think it went all the way back to when it was like hitting its stride. So that's that's huge numbers, especially for yep. a network that people are half the people are just like, what what network is this?
1: Yeah uh, yeah
0: but yeah hey let's let's just giddy up and before <laughs> we do <laughs> for the uninitiated uh, Yellowstone, I'll just quickly summarize it. It basically follows Dutton Family Ranch patriarch John Dutton, played by man of all men, Kevin Costner, as he tries to protect his Montana ranch, the largest contiguous ranch in the United States, from all kinds of people who want to take it from him all while he deals, you know, with internal family politics and drama that threatened to bring him down on basically a daily basis, politics, romance, social and frontier justice ensue. And uh, yeah, the, the show's created by Taylor Sheridan who wrote uh Sicario, hell or high water, and also wrote and directed wind river and those who wish me dead. Almost all of those. I'm a huge fan of. And uh, yeah. So Rodrigo, how did you first come to the show? I think you said you're a recent convert and what do you feel, you know, jumping into it is the big appeal of this show.
1: Well, Uh, So uh, the back way into it Is that I re-watched My wife and I were looking for something to watch And so we watched uh, Wind River Which I'd already seen already but she hadn't seen Before so we put that on and you know, I really dig that movie. It's really, it's it's not perfect, but it's a it's a it's an adult drama. Yeah. Uh, it's a nice, quiet, soulful adult drama. It's a bit of it's an action, sort of a crime thriller. But at the end of the day, it's really a human adult drama with a crime in in the background or um, as the plot. You know, that's kind of what he does. Um, uh and then so then we were done that and she really liked it and then we were like she was like oh, i want to watch something what else can we watch in this vein the other part of the story is we went to yellowstone national park for the first time in like i think 2019 nice uh and we fell in love with the area we, we spent time in montana we spent time in wyoming um and we just like loved the area and we, we ever since we've been just waiting to get, kind of get back and we probably would have been back if it wouldn't have been for the pandemic so yep. um that's all the background of it. it's like you know we're watching that winter wind river and and uh and then being like wow oh man remember how it is how amazing it is out there Da, 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 da. and it's like i'm like well what if, what if we try yellowstone she's like what's that i'm like this is apparently this, this is his show and it's his big thing on on paramount network and he's like a huge thing there now he's got he's gonna have three shows not yet but by the you know middle of december he'll have three shows airing concurrently on paramount network or paramount plus simultaneously we can talk about those later but um so we were kind of like on a lark looking for something to watch together we really like Wind river i was back into the flavor of taylor sheridan having not really watched any of his things in a while i didn't really like the last one he did with angelina jolie
0: yeah that was Um, the one i was referring to by not liking all of them
1: (laughs) yeah it doesn't quite work that one um He's fascinating to me, even if I don't love everything he does. Yeah, uh, He's got this thing about his, his stories are about men and their environments and the men who are the products of these environments. And so land and environment is such a huge thing to them and how it affects the people. So it could be like, it could be a ranch or, or, or Montana that, that, that affects them. It could be uh, Michigan and the prison industrial complex which affects them, which is what his uh, next show, Mayor of Kingstown is about. Mm-hmm. It's always about the environment. It's usually a harsh one. It's usually a cruel one. And, and when river kind of like um, sums it up kind of, well, it's kind of like a cruel environment, cruel humanity. That's kind of the thing he does. And I find that really interesting. It doesn't always work, but it's it, it, uh, I, I think most of the, most of the films so far have been really good and, um, And, and so then, you know, Yellowstone is, is pretty much that. And that was the draw, but it's also like, as soon as I watched it, I was like, oh, this is like the Godfather, but set in Montana on a ranch. Yeah. And and then I was like, oh, cool. It's almost like a modern day version of the mafia and, and how they would operate, but operate in this setting and the rules of their. Uh, uh, of their engagement with their environment which is like you know ranches and land and, is a thing and it's also like you know the socio-political economic environment that that affects the whole narrative and plot and the people so I, I just find it kind of really fascinating you know even even if the show is sometimes a little too soap operish and a mm-hmm. little uh cheesy at times but as I was telling someone who was like because it's funny you tell people about the show and you're like, Yellowstone? Seriously? Yeah,
0: that and, is the reaction you get 50% of the time. Yeah,
1: or, or, or more. And yeah. being that I'm on the East Coast, it's like 90% of the time. Yeah. Um, and now the people, like, like everyone's like, literally have just basically heard nothing but like, I love that you have become, of all people, have become... Uh, uh, you know a Yellowstone Hive member or whatever or, or uh, a Yellowstoner I guess is, is how we'll, we'll right. say it since that's our podcast name but uh, yeah I'm like really hooked I think it's really addictive even when it's a little bit dumb and uh, it's also a little bit of Game of Thrones because it's kind of like mm-hmm. a lot of different factions trying to stay on the throne the difference is rather than you know five or six different parties trying to you know get on the Iron Throne the main character is already on the throne but he's just trying to hold it and he's besieged every day Mm -hmm. uh, by some sort of forces whether it's the Native American reservation whether it's you know uh, the Fortune 500 companies that want his his land Mm -hmm. whether it's the government that wants his land or wants to repatriate his land like there's always just all this stuff and so and there's even a little bit of the idea of like I almost call it a cross between Game of Thrones Godfather in Montana and a little bit of Breaking Bad in the idea of family and crime and how the two sort of ruin one another and how the, the the moral lines you have to cross um uh when you're trying to negotiate and navigate those two things like trying to have a family and being bending the rules or or, or, or breaking the rules or whatever it is that they do on the show and it depends on the, the situation and it's just like it's for me like and to sum it up like someone said to me like what what do you like about that i'm like it scratches the adult drama uh itch that i always have and that has been missing in theaters because all that stuff migrated to where television Yep. So you know, as streaming becomes more and more important, you know, if the if if the environment of filmmaking hadn't changed, this guy would still be making films. But everybody wants a streaming show. Everybody wants to get their streaming show going. And he pitched this, and they were like, "Hell yeah!" And then they greenlit two more shows. So this guy is. Probably wants to be a filmmaker first and foremost, but everyone's migrating to TV because that's where all the adult stories are. And they've basically given him carte blanche to do whatever the hell he wants on television. And he's basically making three different pretty solid so far adult dramas. So I'm in.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's he's always been very clearly talented. Like uh, ever since he got on my radar as a writer, probably Sicario is where I first really understood that because I knew I'd seen him before because he always shows up in his projects I'm like oh that guy and then you realize he's writing you know Sicario he's writing Hell or High Water and then Wind River and then th- that's where he kind of built up his cachet for me and you're just like okay this guy's got chops he knows yeah, how to write I mean, a Wind compelling River's drama is the
1: first one that he directs
0: right exactly
1: and he, you know, he he got nominated for an Academy Award for writing Hell or High Water. Obviously, Sicario was a big deal. And yeah. he actually directed a movie in 2011, four years before Sicario called The Vile*, that I've never seen. Me either. And, uh, not that many people know about. And um, Wikipedia says Sheridan does not consider this his directorial debut, which is basically. <laughs> He's disowning of kind it. Of disavows it or something but I'm, well maybe
0: I won't go digging for it
1: then <laughs> I'm, I'm curious I may do it it's, yeah. it's uh, no one I, uh, I recognize in terms of the cast Bile 2011 but anyhow yeah so
0: you were yeah, talking okay. about how it's compared a lot to the Godfather. There's also one other thing that it's really kind of compared to in at least when I'm describing it to people mm-hmm. just for shorthand, I'll just mm-hmm. say it's a primetime Western soap opera version of Succession because oh yeah. uh, instead totally. of totally. you know, New York, it's in Montana. There's a cantankerous kind of patriarch. Yeah. Right. that plays mind games with his family. and
1: all Yeah, of, actually, that's probably um, the better analogy these days, especially since everyone watches Succession. Succession is right. a big thing. I don't watch Succession.
0: <laughs> oh, man, it's a great show. You should probably get on that. <laughs> that's, I, it's
1: really I, good. Just, uh, philosophically, I, very quickly, I have sort of an objection to showing more rich white sociopaths in New York um, after <laughs> Trump, you know, um, yeah. I, I I had a real problem with that. So I, I watched an episode or two, and I just I was like, I, I can't do it. Yeah. And so I guess I suppose I suppose if I'm going to like rich white sociopaths, I maybe I like the the Montana ones a little bit better. Yeah. The, the I suppose West it works. Ones. They're a little bit more honest about things. Exactly.
0: <laughs> and then there's like even like within the show, there's multiple shows. Like there's a mini Sons of Anarchy thing going on, right? Where the yeah. ranch hands yeah like rip and and Casey they're just like almost like cowboy biker gang that that right. does the dirty work, which is kind of interesting that there's so many different things going on in the show,
1: yeah there's a lot of a b c d plot things yeah. going on. there's the family itself, mm-hmm. um, the dutton family and all it's uh family members, which include, I guess, the surrogate son. And we should probably get into explaining a little bit more of that, those dynamics. Yeah. And there's the bunkhouse that you're talking about, which is the people who work for the Dutton family. And they're sort of a kind of an extended family. Um, they're their own thing. And then there's, I guess, all the disparate forces around them that are sometimes friends, sometimes foe, like the indigenous um, uh, people on the reservation around them, the, the government, the governor of Montana and things like that. And people kind of come and go uh, as they uh, just try and uh, everyone's trying to encroach on that, that throne, that land. Right.
0: And there's there's also a lot of interesting uh, or at least Taylor likes to make sure that even if there's the bad guy or even if there's like opposing sides that both seem right in their own shoes. And you can yeah. definitely, you know, fully identify with any of the characters on the show.
1: Um, right, like, every, like I, I suppose, like, uh, like any good villain, um, you know, like even if you're a superhero villain, you're always yeah. the, the one thing you're supposed to say is like you always have to be able to identify with their desire or want or need or whatever it is, and, and be able to empathize with it in some regard. And I think that's true for the show, right? That you can kind of see where everyone's coming from.
0: And then when it comes to his family, I mean, all of them could have their own show. I mean, you all have these different kind of worlds that they occupy. Jamie's like the family right. lawyer and politician. Yeah. Beth is the ruthless corporate type that, you know, kind of handles the ranch's business affairs. And then, you know, Lee is this, at the beginning, he's like this good son who's positioned to take over the ranch from his dad. And Casey's the black sheep that went, you know, to the reservation and married uh, outside. And had a kid and doesn't talk to anybody and all of a sudden Dared, he's drawn back to, in to,
1: to dare to marry a native girl.
0: Yeah. How dare he? Um, but yeah, it's, it's all of that being laid out in the the first season. I mean, it really, the, the first season does a really good job of kind of introducing everybody and really setting a vibe and then, you know, kind of setting the dynamite, which as far as like the drama goes, it, it, it's always there, but it's really ramping up in these these seasons three and four, as far as like people getting killed left and right or, you know, attempted murder. And it's just craziness that's going on all
1: around. Yeah. What's the line that I mean, it's sort of I think it was said in the premiere episode, but I think it's also a line that's kind of been said uh, throughout. And it's kind of the theme of the the thing. And it's, you know, it's also kind of like a lie that they tell themselves, but it's something like a, a good man sometimes has to do bad things. Mm-hmm. Um, it's akin to that or. You know, sometimes you have to do bad things to stay a good man. And It's that sort of contradiction, that kind of uh, sort of strained morality that that, that these the level of these people that who think they you know that they that and on one level they think they are good people, but they're doing some pretty horrible heinous things. But I, I guess they they believe it's justified. But I suppose that's the morality of everybody on the show, even the bad guys. Anybody they all think they're they're justified, right?
0: Yeah, it's kind of the path that Breaking Bad set all dramas on, where you're pushing the line of where you'll identify with the main characters.
1: Right, uh, like anti-heroes in a way. Exactly. But, but I suppose you're right in that it's it's very succession-like, in except in Montana, but I, I believe it's pre-succession, isn't it? I think,
0: they're, are they both in season four right now? Well, succession season three, isn't it?
1: succession was in season three and yellowstone so, yeah
0: maybe yellowstone maybe predated it either way they were real close together and they're real similar but plenty of differences i, I like that there's like on succession there's like a dumb cousin greg and on here it's jimmy basically
1: jimmy, the, ranch hand, yeah.
0: the ranch hand he's greg um, yeah it
1: is strange that they're actually they both came out in 2018 and somehow yellowstone is ahead of them but mm, oh my god the same month too that's crazy and in fact, succession is uh, about three weeks earlier than Yellowstone Wow two thousand eighteen summer two thousand eighteen isn't that crazy?
0: same wavelength, I guess, but yeah. uh, for you, I mean talking about all these characters that are circling around each other, do you have any that stand out? do you have any favorites
1: uh it's it's uh, it's really hard not to to love Beth, who's yeah, like yeah baby I love like, Beth. Like Kelly Riley, who is, <laughs> well for one, for my money, extremely attractive
0: <laughs> yes. And um, some of the best lines on the show, especially yeah, in the premiere.
1: Yeah. She's delicious. She's the sledgehammer of the family. Uh, she is either used as the sledgehammer of the family by her father or, or, or he six her as like, as a, as a rabid dog, but mm-hmm. it, he also doesn't really need to do that. Cause she's content to do that on her own in every yeah. way. She's so uh, combustible and unbreakable. And, and then, and then I also, I also really like Rip who's played by Cole Hauser and, mm-hmm. um, They have a on and on again, love affair. Um, But I think I would, if he weren't even connected, I still would think Rip's great because he's the, you know, he's the surrogate son. He's not actually a Dutton, but he is the most loyal. He's, he's in some ways, the most ideal son. He's the one that John Dutton loves the most, even though he's, he's not really his, his, his kin.
0: But he pretty much is. I mean, I, I'd be surprised if he didn't, wouldn't say that he considers him a son.
1: Well, he does. Right. But like yeah. in, in, I think one of the of season three, he writes that letter. That's right. And, That's right. And he calls him his son mm-hmm. and, and and Rip breaks down has <laughs> his manly cry. <laughs> so, yeah, I really like uh, that character. I also really like Casey. Yep. Um, I really like Casey's wife as well. Kelsey um, Casey's played by Luke Grimes. Uh, His wife, Monica, played by Kelsey uh, as Billy. I'm maybe butchering that.
0: I couldn't Um, tell you if it's wrong. I know she's Monica. The
1: the ones I like, but I'm also kind of, I'm I'm right now, we could get to that, but I'm really rooting for Jamie because I I don't want him to be gone.
0: Yeah, I, I don't like that there's kind of setting up a head to head contention here, but maybe that'll that'll change. I mean, Jamie's always kind of on the outside of the family and almost at war with them. So we'll we'll see where that goes. But yeah, yeah. I guess
1: the the dynamic of, of to explain to the listener who may not have watched the show is that the the family, the siblings, uh, um, the sons and daughters of. Of the of John Dutton are basically all trying to seek his approval in some way or another. Maybe Casey's the one who isn't at all in the beginning at season season one. That that kind of changes, um, but they're all kind of in and out. They want his love. They don't want his love. They resent him. They hate him. They do his bidding. It's re- it's really dysfunctional and really complicated. And I suppose it's maybe n- not that different <laughs> from those who are watching Succession yeah. and listening to this and being like, oh, okay, I got it because. I don't really watch Succession, but it kind of sounds like the same kind of thing.
0: Yeah, only the Roys are genuinely despicable people. Like, I mean, there's definitely not a lot of saving uh, attributes for the Duttons, but in the end, they actually do love each other, I think the roys i don't know that they do
1: <laughs> right but i right. think they and all that's genuinely... maybe where i kind of didn't like i think i watched an episode or two and the show sort of reveled in in how despicable these people were mm-hmm. and i at this point you know 2018 still in the middle of trump uh i was a little done with despicable
0: <laughs> yeah well th- i mean it's based on uh the murdochs and all that so i mean understandable right, right.
1: Yeah. Yeah. This is, it's different. There's a more, more soulful quality even, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, that's something
0: that Taylor brings to it. I feel like, cause all of his movies feel that way.
1: And that's my thing. Like even, even the show, I, I guess I would also maybe say me, if you had to rank all of this stuff in terms of the quality, this might be on the lower end of things just because of all the highs and lows. Whereas sure. the other things that he did are much more highs of, of the early films that we're talking about, but it, it definitely, checks all the boxes for me in terms of the ideas of crime and morality and family. And like, mm-hmm. how do you try and be above board and being above board as a human being, but still have to do other, these horrible things. And, you know, also be a parent to your children to sort of watch these things, you know, it's that family and, and, and morality and crime is sort of my, that's sort of my bullseye. Oh, yeah. So in that regard, the show really does it for me. Yeah, I,
0: I mean out of all of his things, it probably the themes and the messaging probably take a backseat to the drama more than any of the other ones. Mm-hmm. But it's very, very entertaining in the way it does it.
1: <laughs> so yeah, that's the other part of it. It's uh soap opera-ish, yeah, but entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm I'm curious as to as what other people might think about it. It might be maybe too like there's definitely, I think, a few moments in I think season one when some pretty ridiculous shit happened where my wife and I looked at each other and we were like, what the fuck? Like, are we going to stick with this? I think we had a moment where we were, and I can't remember exactly what it was, but one of the things that kind of sticks with me is that, and I suppose it's human contradiction, but there have been a few things where like people are kind of like, I'm vowing to never do this again. And then <laughs> like, like, I, like, you know, Casey and his family, is his wife, Monica, who's, who's Native Indian. At the one point, it seemed like the the messaging for their side or their narrative of their story was going to be like, we need to get away as far away from this family as we can because they're going to pollute our, our boy, our son, morally. And he's going to be witness to all these horrible things that so we have to get out of here. And it seemed like they were very much on board with that. And then the thread of that just seemed to kind of disappear. So it's that kind of thing that kind of was like, what?
0: You no. get shot out enough, I guess, maybe that you forget about that. I'm, yeah,
1: yeah maybe, <laughs> maybe. I mean, the, the other thing is, you know, the way you one could argue that like crazy traumatic situations will change your, you know, your sort of phil- philosophical view on life. And maybe your philosophical view on life was like, look, these uh, this family is just no good for our family. But when you're in close to near death situations like some of these people have, maybe that's the argument that like that, that's why some of these things change.
0: I was going to say, let's go over the best and worst parts, but I feel like we're covering that pretty well. I mean, is there anything you'd want to add in, in the best list?
1: Well, I'm curious to what what you think might be like the worst parts of it. And then maybe we can circle back to what we think are the best.
0: I mean, the worst parts of it for me were, like I was saying, it prioritizes drama over messaging. Usually that's, that's kind of like the number one scent of it, but it's, like I said, it's so entertaining in the way that it's, The the characters are written and the drama is constructed. You know, it's just a fun watch. Even if it's like super dark, it's really, really entertaining. And this season really takes off with a bullet. Oh, for Mm -hmm. sure. For sure. it's just nuts.
1: I I think one of the things that, that you and you're listening to you reminds me of some of the things that I don't like about it is that it feels like it always has to have five or six things going on at once. Yes. And in doing so, it's a little bit of like, like spinning plates. Like, you know, the guy who's like spinning them and moves to the next one and moves and make sure that there's six always, or six or seven of them always moving up. So I feel like sometimes they contrive things for plate six or plate seven that could just don't have to be spinning at the moment. But sometimes, sometimes it just feels like there's too much going on, and feel. And sometimes it feels like there's a few storylines that end up the the jump start or impetus for those things gets a little contrived into sort of like well we need something going on for a little bit of drama for Casey or you know I, you could even argue with the beginning of this season that this season um, we're getting into season four of the premiere which was a two hour premiere which is basically two back to back episodes and it's, I, you could argue that the surrogate son for Beth and and Kelly Riley and is is sort of a contrivance sort of like okay what's going to be her story I yeah. suppose it does Connect to, to season three and one of the big revelations there about her character. Sometimes it does feel like they just, that's a little bit of the machinations of television that sometimes can be frustrating is that you, you got to create a, a new drama. Here's one, for example. like So in The Bunkhouse, There is Ryan Bingham who plays Walker. Ryan Bingham is uh, also a musician. He did the music for Crazy Heart. Oh, okay, sure. um, Scott Cooper directed it and Mm -hmm. Jeff Bridges starred in it. He did the music for that. That was his breakout thing into, into Hollywood. Ryan Bingham did uh, basically music before that, but uh, he also acts. So he, I think he had a small role in that movie. Uh, so he's a, he's a part of it, and he's basically started dating a girl in the bunkhouse that was sort of with that older dude. What's that older Lloyd, dude's name? Yeah, Lloyd. Right. So he sort of just took over Lloyd's girl last season, and there was kind of nothing done about it. And you know five or six episodes go by and you're like, oh, I guess this isn't a problem. But then in this two part uh, premiere, Lloyd kind of gives them a look at one point, uh-huh. like, kind of bitter look at the two of them canoodling. And, and like, it's almost kind of like, oh, now you're going to deal with this. Not back when it happened, but like now, because you've got a rest or a beat and you need to like float something back up as a drama. You know I, I mean? don't know.
0: I, I feel like that makes it all the more real because sometimes people don't deal with their shit until it's like a, a year or two down the road and then things blow up and uh, it's even worse than it would have been if they just dealt with it up front. So I, I kind of interesting, am okay with that.
1: Right. But like, so there's the excuse that you just gave, which I believe is a, is a very honest one. But do you feel that? and if you do like you're you're legitimately like okay then it's not really an excuse it's just it's just life right but i think my issue is that like we can always give reasons for them but i don't necessarily feel them in uh uh, genuine ways in the show always not always not like that's not to say every time because i think that would be a road too much that i couldn't uh handle (laughs) after a while i understand the reasons like like the way you explain it to me but i don't feel it in a way that i've Emotionally
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I just never felt that Lloyd had any chance there. You know what I mean? He definitely right. had a lot of desire and and stuff like that, or maybe he was just being protective. I don't know what it was, but the the character of Walker himself is kind of a, a the type to to poke the bear as much as possible. So it kind of rang true for me.
1: Fair enough. And in terms of, I don't know, the best. I think it's just the the family dynamics and the stuff that feels very real, and that the idea yes. of like very uh, genuine feeling uh, emotional betrayals juxtaposed next to very uh, emotionally genuinely real loyalties.
0: Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's and, like high Shakespearean drama.
1: Yeah, and the and the tensions that happen between the push and pull of love and resent, mm-hmm. which is you know a lot of the stuff that happens throughout all these characters but there's like a good like i don't know like the main cast is what probably about 15 people or something like that
0: yeah there's like a good amount of people
1: and there's like maybe one episode won't deal with them all and it'll be spread across two or three episodes but like you might get like six or seven subplots over the course of two like maybe the season sets up like something like that
0: yeah do you want to talk about the the season four premiere or or where we left yeah. off last season?
1: yeah, why why don't you tee up what happened last season and then we'll we'll move into
0: sure. So the end of season three saw basically peril come to all of the duttons via that corporate interest that was looking to buy out their land to no avail uh, by like this. I mean, he was kind of a representative of this this company. The the guy named Rourke, he was kind of a take no shits, I'm going to do this kind of guy. Yeah. Um, but Casey was attacked by armed gunmen in the office. Beth's office exploded with her in it, and John was gunned down while helping a stranger change a tire. And then yeah, it was
1: like a coordinated attack on the entire. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, and, and the the first episode just kind of. Boom! It's like a bullet through a dutton. (laughs) It's so fast, man. It's just like Tate gets his first kill. Casey gets shot. Beth gets exploded and walks out and smokes a cigarette, which I loved. People get hung. John's flown to a hospital, and this is all like I I checked. It was nine minutes in, and that it all happened already. I was just like, "This is crazy, man."
1: That opening. And if you want to talk about the best of what this show can be mm-hmm. that open, like, cause they do this long opening and then they get to the credits. Was it nine minutes and then the credits started?
0: Something like that. I believe so.
1: It felt like 30 minutes to me, but <laughs> that opening was, it was also like, we have not seen Michael Mann on screen in uh, a few years. It's like that scratch that itch for me, man. It was like, mm-hmm. It was almost like Michael Mann went to Montana and shot, you know, this thrilling opening of the aftermath of what happened to this family and this like, you know, five alarm emergency of trying to get uh, revenge and and chase down the guys who who did this stuff, you know. Mm So it was just really intense, really well crafted, guns blazing. Like, I I was like, this is like Michael Mann on a ranch. If you want to talk about the best of what the show can be, that opening was it.
0: Yeah, I was like full on adrenaline. And then they like completely change gears. They go back to 1893. I I don't know if they're going to like draw out like a prequel tease or if it's like literally written into the season. It seems like it kind of is.
1: That was bad. Basically, it was a commercial for the upcoming 1883 (laughs) show. (laughs) <laughs> which is a prequel to Yellowstone that basically deals with the grandparents or great-grandparents of the Duttons. And that was dumb, I thought. I was just like, y- y- look, you can just play the trailer during the commercials. Everybody's watching this on cable. You don't need to like, st- I, mean, I mean, if it would have worked thematically, but I was like unnecessary.
0: I think it's going to be throughout the season. It seems like they're tying that whole story in to, to this season. So we'll see. I mean, technically that was 1893 and the the series is 1883. So this. Oh, really? It's kind of like, uh, yeah, this character's coming, but you're going to see a I different didn't, version. I, of didn't
1: rec- it. I didn't realize it was 10 years later.
0: Yeah. So That's we'll see. Yeah. That's we'll see how that ties in.
1: But yeah, I mean, it was essentially like a five-minute commercial. For and then the series. time
0: jump two months later is yeah, where we then, wake and up. And then, it,
1: then the, the tone of the show changed because it's in recovery mode.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that first episode, Beth's lines outside the hospital with that kid are just like amazing I'm the rock therapists break themselves against I'm pretty sure I had to stop it for a minute there just to kind of Yeah,
1: she's got I mean that's the other thing there's some killer funny lines on the show of like that kind of like gritty rugged salt of the earth kind of wit and wisdom Um, Mm -hmm. I'm a kind of a sucker for some of that stuff I think it's, it's pretty good. And and she's just got like so many fucking bon mots, man. The shit that she delivers and comes out of her mouth. Like they're just basically meant to make your jaw fall on the floor and (laughs) Most of the time it works.
0: <laughs> yeah. What's killing your family? The 21st century.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> a that's, great that's also, I mean, a great line, but it's mm-hmm. also thematically. What oh the yeah, that's accurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it's That's what I like about the writing too, is that it's a, it's a funny line. It's a good quip, but it's also thematically what the show is essentially about because the show's about progress essentially. And mm-hmm. the fight against progress.
0: And in the, the second episode, it's I, one I love before we get to that part. I love that Kevin Costner just gets home, fires his nurse and just goes on like nothing ever happened. It's <laughs> just like, yeah. I'm going to be moving or I'm going to be dead. And that's it. Yeah. I just think that's spot on for John. Yeah. Button there's this and...
1: whole kind of like tough guy kind of wisdom about that. Like no one's ever recovered in a bed. All, all anyone's ever done in a hospital bed is died in it. And so it's like, <laughs> It's a mix of both funny and humorous and also kind of feels kind of true in a way, you know? Yeah. I mean, obviously these people are, are, are not superhuman and they heal faster than normal people do, but that's television for you, I suppose. I mean, that's the other element, I suppose, about it is also it follows into the soap opera qualities, but it's a little melodramatic, right? Like, oh, yes. Or yeah. very melodramatic, depending on how you, you want to push it. But I, I also, I don't think melodrama has to be a, a dirty word. It can be done really well.
0: How do you feel about him putting "quote unquote" all his horses into the horse business? Right, uh, moving That's forward. A, I
1: guess a new subplot of this season where he mm-hmm. hires a guy who happens to be Taylor Sheridan.
0: Yeah, <laughs> who has some great lines as well in this.
1: Yes. Of, so, yes, yes. And Taylor Sheridan's been a character on this, but he's been kind of a satellite. Sub- yeah,
0: he's there line. when they need horses.
1: Yeah, yeah. He has got nothing to do with main plot. He's barely there. I, I didn't even really understand what that is. That these are hiring him to go win horse. Yeah,
0: he's got it looks like he's gonna do horse shows and racing and, and uh Right. All kinds and then of he's things.
1: just gonna he's hired that guy to Build buy up team. more horses and get into the horse business and win a bunch of tournaments of this and that and and make the Dutton ranch, a lot of money, but as Casey says, like, you know, we can't even afford this. It's you need, you need a couple million dollars to get it started to get some of these winning horses. But uh, I think John says something like we have no choice or something, but yeah, I mean, I, I suppose, what do I think of that? Fine. I guess that doesn't seem all that interesting to me, but yeah, that's my problem. I, I suppose I don't really care about the the
0: horse business. Hopefully it doesn't get in the weeds with that.
1: Yeah. But the probably the reason they're bringing it up is something's going to happen. That, oh Yeah. It's going to go wrong, right? I mean, that's the whole point of all these things. It's like, they create some sort of plan, whether it is to make money or uh, hold under their empire or um, extend the reach of their empire. And then something goes wrong or there's some sort of conflict to impede that. And and it's, it's interesting, it's like in good TV writing, and this kind of TV writing, is it like there's the long game, like there's the one that happens across an entire season. There's smaller ones. Um, there's ones that last like two or three episodes. If you could show it like kind of like linearly on a, on a writer's room, it would be pretty interesting to look at, I think, because you'd see a lot of ones that like extend all the way through from the beginning of the season to an end. And then some that continue to go across several seasons, some that just go across a couple episodes. It's interesting. They're, they yeah. de- definitely juggle a lot of stuff, probably to their to their benefit and to their detriment.
0: Yeah, it's definitely uh whatever's working kind of drama show. There there is something that you kind of talked about before with Beth getting a kid yeah. with Rip. Didn't know I wanted to see it, but I kinda at first I was like, oh great, this kid's gonna be a a bunch of drama for the family and it's going to go bad. And it's kind of interesting to see Beth and Rip, basically the two worst parents on the planet earth, be parents and how just angry Cole Hauser is as Rip just in this situation. It's just so over the top and ridiculous how ill-equipped he is to be a father, especially for someone who's so much like him. Probably that's why.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like, it's he just comes at it with like massive resent, right? Like he's just mm-hmm. like so angry about the idea. And uh, yeah, I don't know how I feel about it either. And this kid is kind of like a uh, wet blanket, kind of like milksop <laughs> little kid. Um, yeah. He he's is. also like, as, as he's, someone calls him a badger. So he's also got like this kind of mean streak to him because he's had to survive because it, the kid's dad was a heroin addict and he basically had nothing so he started to, had to always struggle and scrabble for things but i'm less interested right now in those subplots and i suppose the subplots that i'm more interested in are, are who's behind the hit because we yeah. still i mean we sort of kind of know like it looks sounds like it was the militia but there's also going to always going to be the who's that figure that that was behind it like it's probably some sort of actor some sort of person who's like the main militia person be, behind that hit the backs story is that in i think <coughs> excuse me season three the duttons basically mowed down a bunch of militia people for kidnapping Tate, the little boy casey's mm-hmm. little boy um and that's a whole involved thing because they were hired by somebody else to do it Rourke right 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 and so mm-hmm. yeah I'll, also speaking of good man death i don't even want to spoil it but, but what Roark, a death scene <laughs> it, was, it was really amazing it was really uh and again though, the kind of the layer too because really funny really amazing really like oh my god and also kind of just like oh yeah he would totally get away with that because you know again i don't want to spoil it but it's like it, it was, it was something in nature essentially killed them and it's like yeah well, if they found his body they would have been. Well, this thing killed him and nothing else, right? Not not only clever um, and funny, but but like a clever way to get rid of him.
0: Extremely on brand for Rip. Yeah, I, I'm definitely interested in seeing who was behind it. I don't think it was Jamie at all. I think that would be a step too far if it was. Yeah, cause... and I
1: think they've already kind of come to that conclusion, right? Yeah, Like if you remember the um, conversation that Casey has with his dad, it's, you know, they basically, it sounds like they've already come to that conclusion that while, you know, this season's definitely going to be about, I suppose that's been Jamie's arc the entire time about identity and who who he really is. And because, um, I don't know if it's that big of a spoiler to spoil at this point, but is it the whole who he really is.
0: I mean, I would assume if you're listening this far into a Yellowstone podcast you know what Yellowstone is,
1: <laughs> right? Or you've been I'm hoping to turn people, man. Yeah. I, like I'm yeah. So so he's, you know, spoiler, he's he's adopted mm-hmm. um, which he found out in season 3. And the, the the arc for him in season four is is trying to like carve out his own identity, figure out who he is because he kind of doesn't know who he stands now. He's like he doesn't he thinks his life was one big lie, and that he's been used by his father, so he's left the family. So yeah, no, I don't. I it, I think they've said it, and I think I'm positive it's not him. But I'm yeah. still intrigued to where that goes. And then there's um oh there is one more subplot that we haven't seen yet because um Piper Barabo has been oh hired.
0: Piper Barabo yeah.
1: Parable, thank you. Um, she's hired, uh, she's on as, as, a, as a recurring guest this season as like a, an animal rights activist. And uh, we haven't even seen her in the first two episodes. She's appears, pops up in, in season three. And apparently some of the stuff that they do is like affects the ranch because of the way the treatment of the animals. So that's going to be a subplot and she's going to be a thorn in their side. And um, Jackie Weaver is the new Rourke, essentially. She's like a new like CEO from market equities and market equities is this kind of like big bad fortune 500 company that will do anything by any means necessary to take over the ranch and they Mm -hmm. and and basically there's always all these kinds of business and stock machinations of people trying to get over the ranch whether it's like shorting stock or devaluing the area by putting something shitty in or putting something really pricey in and there there's all these kinds of things that they're they're trying to do
0: And I'm not sure how I feel about her coming in. She doesn't seem very intimidating, but I'm sure as the show goes on, we'll kind of learn more about her and be more afraid of her than anyone. But
1: (laughs) You know what's also really impressive about the show, um, Hmm. just to go back, is that Taylor Sheridan directed all nine episodes of the first season, which is like, that's like a true detective kind of thing. And most people don't do that. And most people even, I remember, uh, what's his name? Uh, Fukunaga being like, i um, like completely out of my mind, exhausted. And I'll never do that again. Um,
0: well, it, has he directed any since?
1: Well, actually he did, but it was a lot shorter. He did Maniac, the series, but I think it was like five or six episodes. Okay. And then some of the directors on the show are, there's some good people on there. Ed Bianchi, who's done uh Deadwood and Boardwalk, Boardwalk Empire. He's been like a, a total um sort of an HBO veteran. John Dahl has a bunch of done a bunch of stuff. Does everyone remember John Dahl from like The Last Seduction, The Unforgettable, Red Rock West, and Stephen Kay is a guy who's been doing a lot of stuff. Um, oh yeah, I, he's been yeah, around for a long time. Really know his work that well or do Friday I Friday Night oh, Lights. Oh yeah he he's did a, Sons of, veteran, Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy, The Punisher. Um, and he directed uh, the first episode of season four. Well, actually did the, those first two episodes. And I mean, there was some really badass stuff in there, yeah. you know? Yeah. And he's, he seems to be kind of taking over as um, one of the main directors of the show now. He did the first two episodes of season three. The last two episodes, those are always kind of known as the most important. And it looks like they're setting them up to do that again. He did the first two and he's probably going to do the last two. But I'm, I'm impressed that, that Sheridan directed... All All of season one, like that's not easy to do, especially as someone who basically had only directed what two things before that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty crazy. All right. Well, obviously, uh, Rodrigo and I will be watching season four as it continues and we'll do uh, episode recaps as the season goes on. Uh, week to week. So thanks for joining me for the first episode of Yellowstoners, Rodrigo.
1: Yeah, and we should also say that. Should we Should we tell, like, what our original idea for this? Although <laughs> yeah, joking, go ahead.
0: Like, I love the pitch.
1: I was kind of joking, and, and Charles like, took it very seriously. Well, I guess you did too, because you were like, I don't know, because we were I was like, we'll call Yellowstoners, and we'll get high. And then we'll, like, talk about the show. And then you were like, I don't know, because, like, my kids, and uh, it depends on the certain night. And I was like, oh, I'm just kind of joking, and you but, like, I, I don't know. I guess everyone took me sort of but at the same time i was kind of like it'd be kind of funny maybe for
0: know. the the finale we'll lead yeah, up for, to to the finale, to the finale really, where we'll really, just really get fucking high yeah we'll get ripped.
1: all the dummies that we can <laughs> and and, and recap this shit kicking show.
0: We'll see how that goes. It'll probably be a one-off thing because I get really quiet when I get high.
1: <laughs> Maybe we just, we'd be like, yeah. And then just like re-record, dump that. or we'll have to do it over again. I don't know. Okay. Uh, it's sort of an like, unexpected thing for me. I did not expect to get into the show. Just sort of threw it on as a lark and um, I've become totally hooked and it's not perfect, but there's some good stuff on it. And the Taylor Sheridan verse is really interesting to me.
0: Well, until next time.
1: Keep on yellowstone and yeah